A very good morning to you. It's great to see you all here this morning. My name's Neil. I'm married to Kate, who you've already seen, and together we serve this wonderful community, the Southwest London Vineyard, and it's a real privilege and honor for us to do that. You're all very welcome this morning, especially if you are new or visiting, you're especially welcome. We'd love to connect with you and help connect you with some part of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter which part of the body of Christ you're connected to, just wherever it is the Lord is calling you to, and we'd love to help you do that. So um, do have a chat with the welcome team, and uh, they will help connect you to whichever part of the body of Christ it is the Lord is calling you to. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the words should miraculously appear behind me. It says this, starting in verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever." Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your share, your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you that they are our yardstick, our plumb line, our gold standard. I just ask that right now by your Holy Spirit, you would come, that you would illuminate the scriptures, you would soften our hearts, you would open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And we ask that you would lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you've been around over the past few weeks, we've been looking at some of the things that are hallmarks, if you like, of not only this church, the Southwest London Vineyard, uh, but also of our national and international family of uh, vineyard churches of which we are a part. And this morning, we're going to look at generosity generosity is something that has been a foundational part, a, a fundamental part, a, a kind of the core part of our DNA, the DNA of this church since this church was planted in 1987 by uh, John and Eleanor Mumford. 
Among other things, John Wimber, uh, who started this family of churches, bless you, called the Vineyard, uh, he, had a, he had a knack of uh, saying things and putting things simply and, and pretty pithily. And at one time, he, he once said that, that Christianity could be summed up in four W's. He said, Christianity is all about the word, the works, the walk, and the wallet. Or in other words, how is it uh, how, how is the, the wonderful person of Jesus impacting each and every single um, area of our lives? What we say, what we do, how we live, and last but by no means least, what we do with our money. Uh, if you've been around uh, the church here for any length of time, you will have heard us talk ad nauseum uh, about how here as followers of Jesus, we are committed to Christ, to his church, and to his cause. And, and we kind of say regularly how vital it is that to our lives as disciples, that each one of those kind of finds expression in the way that we do life as we follow Jesus. And it all starts, everything starts with our commitment to Christ and Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has given us um, salvation and abundant life and wholeness and healing and so much more freedom, so many more things. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we no longer have to die, but instead we can have life and we can have life to the full just as God designed and intended for us to have. And, and so we come to the cross and we put our faith and our trust in Jesus for he is what theologians call our atoning sacrifice. And what that means is that he has taken our place. He has substituted his death for ours. He who knew no sin died for us who knew nothing but sin. And so we come to the cross, we commit ourselves to Christ. And as we do that, we are trusting in what he has done for us for our redemption. And then now, because we have been saved through Christ Jesus, we've been brought into the body of Christ. And you read through the scriptures, there are several different metaphors that talk about the body of Christ. And, and one of the metaphors is the church. And so you would have heard us say that to be followers of Jesus, to be disciples, it means that we need to be committed to both Christ and his church with all of its uh, flaws and all of its challenges. And, you know, it really doesn't matter. It really, we see, you've heard us say this before. It really doesn't matter which church it is that you're committed to, you know, as long as they're following Jesus. Um, but being uh, part of the church of God is fundamental to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the church um, gathers like this on a Sunday or whether, you know, like through your house groups or small groups uh, midweek or wherever it may be. And then what happens is the church scatters. We gather together and then we scatter and you scatter, you're sent out, you're filled up with the Holy Spirit, you're reminded of all God's faithfulness and his goodness. And then we leave this place and we're scattered into the highways and the byways or wherever it is that the Lord sends us during the rest of our week to our places of work, to our communities, to our neighborhoods, to our school gates or wherever it is. So week in, week out, the church all over the world gathers and then the church scatters. And 
It's in no small part that it is uh, that it's in and through being part of the church, that the process of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, that is how that takes place. In no small part, that's how that takes place in our lives. We grow more like Jesus uh, by being, in part, by being the church together, uh, by loving one another, by irritating one another. I know that doesn't happen here, but I've heard, you know, it happens in other church. I've heard. By upsetting one another. Again, I'm sure that doesn't ever happen here. You know, by, by serving, uh, by giving, all the kinds of things that go with just making this thing, church, a reality. Uh, you see, to say that we love God and love his people but not be part of a church, well, that ends up in us missing something of the foundational and fundamental truth of who we've been called to be as followers of Jesus because it's in the church it's here in this weird thing in this weird place that we test our faith it's it's here this is where we grapple with the stuff of what it actually means to be a follower of Jesus in practice you know being the church moves us away from just theory our our faith becomes a reality it has to because we're rubbing shoulders we're cheek by jowl with one another It gets practiced, it gets challenged, it gets stretched. This is the way that we grow together as a body. We don't grow separately, we grow together. We come to Christ absolutely one by one, but we grow together in and through the community of the church. And God has called us to be a part of a people, a community, a family, a a body, a church. So our first commitment is to Christ and our second commitment is to his church. And then our third commitment is to his cause. You see, God is in the process of redeeming a people. God is in the process of redeeming everything, the whole of creation, for the glory of his name. And then, you know, you'll come across people who, there are some people who are committed to Christ, uh, but not so much to his church. They've decided, I don't know, that the flaws and the challenges are too much. They've just abandoned ship. There are other people that may be committed to Christ and his church, but maybe not so much to his cause. You know, and I get it. I, I mean, I really do. I've been at this a long time and um, it's tough it's tough this following Jesus stuff is tough it's it's not easy being a follower of Jesus you know week after week month after month year after year we we just have to kind of keep on getting up and doing the stuff you know and what's the stuff well it's it's serving the poor and winning the lost and healing the sick and feeding the hungry and seeking justice for the oppressed and ministering to the bereaved and to the widow and taking care of the fatherless and looking after our neighbors as we would ourselves and on and on and on. There are so many things. There are a lot of things that followers of Jesus are called to do according to the scriptures as we commit ourselves to Christ, his church, and his cause. And all of those three things are to be in place. And one of the foundational attitudes, if you like, that underpins each one of these things, our commitment to Christ, his church, and his cause, is generosity. Generosity underpins all three of those things. The generosity of God's grace in sending his son to die for us. The the generosity that is to be a distinguishing trait of the church, the body of Christ, and the generosity that is required so that his cause and his kingdom may be advanced in and through all that we do. 
the generosity of God's grace to us in sending his son. Uh, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3:16, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. For God so loved that he gave generosity. Uh, John uh, chapter 1 verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, the fullness of God's grace, we have all received one blessing after another. The generosity of God, it's who he is. God is a generous God. In, um, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the, the, the chapters we're sort of looking around here today, um, Paul describes this, the act of giving as, as, as a grace. He does that around half a dozen times in those two chapters. He describes the act of giving as a grace. Giving is an act of grace. And nowhere is that more fully expressed than in the grace that God has shown us by the giving of his precious son, Jesus Christ. The grace of giving, generosity, these things flow from the very heart of God. It's foundational and fundamental to his nature, and as followers of Jesus, it is to be foundational and fundamental to each of our natures too. And this grace of giving is to be foundational and fundamental to who we are as a church. Generosity is to be a distinguishing trait of the church. Have a look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, in this chapter, Paul's urging the church in Corinth to, to, f- to follow through with, um, essentially, on a, on a financial commitment that they've, that they've made. Uh, essentially, they'd, what they'd done is they'd agreed... Uh, to take part in, a, in, a, in an offering, a financial offering, to uh, help and to aid suffering and persecuted Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, and Paul is, you know, he's sort of saying he shouldn't actually even need to write to them about this thing, which he calls the, in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 9, he calls the ministry of, to the saints. And, and, and especially because Corinth was one of the, the first churches, really, that embraced this whole idea of giving money for ministry. Uh, For some reason, though, the Corinthians, the church at Corinth, uh, they seem to have lost their eagerness for giving uh, and for giving their money. Uh, We don't know why. We don't know what's going on. Maybe it's a result of some of the tension that existed between themselves and Paul. But but whatever was the reason, whatever it was, it was going to be a bit awkward when fellow believers what's kind of going to arrive from Macedonia and they, you know, imagine if they'd come and they find themselves in Corinth and they find the church in Corinth actually kind of saying, yeah, we're not going to give any money. Then we're not willing to contribute. And so uh, to avoid that, what Paul does is Paul sends Titus ahead of him to kind of help level the ground and sort things out so that everything is ready for when the time comes and you see that in verses two to five. And then Paul goes on in these chapters to describe why this financial generosity, why giving uh, money matters, both for individuals and for the work of God. And as Paul describes it, as you read these verses, you know, it's interesting, it's not just about the amount. Uh, This giving um, Paul is describing, it's all about the heart, it's all about the attitude 
of the giver. And so as we come to our verses that we're looking at, Paul uses the metaphor of sort of sowing and harvesting. And in Paul's usual inimitable style, he's, he's fairly clear. It's not particularly opaque uh, when he says, those who plant little uh, will harvest little. Uh, those who plant a lot will harvest a lot more. It's, it's pretty clear. In other words, the more generously one gives, the more abundant will be the results of that giving. Now, before you get too excited and think of this as some kind of guaranteed return on an investment scheme, uh, it's important to remember that the harvest that Paul is talking about is the benefit experienced by others uh, from our giving, not necessarily the benefit experienced by us as the giver. This isn't a, a get-rich-quick uh, scheme. The point of giving isn't to gain more in return. The point of giving is to be a greater blessing to others. And God, in his grace and his mercy and his goodness, enables us to be more generous uh, in the future that comes in, in verse 6. But do you see that Paul doesn't say anything about how much anyone must give? He doesn't even give like a percentage of income. Instead, what he says is that each one of us should give according to what each one of us has decided to give. You see, uh, giving money, giving our money, it isn't supposed to be done under obligation. It is supposed to be done willingly. It's supposed to be uh, cheerfully, the scriptures say here. And as we do that, God in his grace, as I've said, is able to provide abundantly so that every believer has all they need at all times and in all ways to abound in whatever good work God has assigned to us. God wants us to do what he's called us to do, and he will provide all that is needed for us to do so. God is the provider. He is the one who provides both the seed and the bread, and he uses generous believers to meet the needs of others. And then he, what he does in his grace and his mercy is increases the resources of those who give so that they can give even more. So generosity is to be a distinguishing trait of the church. And then Generosity is required in order that his cause and his kingdom may be advanced in and through all that we do. Now, uh, before I go any further, one of the things that has always distinguished this, uh, this church, the Southwest United, over the past uh, 36 years or so has been its generosity. Uh, uh, this is an incredibly, and always has been, an incredibly generous church. Southwest Nineveh was planted uh, before there was a wide, it was the first vineyard in the UK, and there, there weren't kind of, there wasn't a wider network or family of vineyard churches across the UK, which is now called Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland. And in the early days, this church, the people who sat on the seats, they were different then. They were less comfortable if that's even possible. And they had even more chewing gum on them back in the day. Um, but the people who sat on those seats, and some of you who were knocking around then, uh, not only financially resourced the, the, the kingdom ministry that was happening in and through this church, but also, in no small part, um, resourced all of the kingdom stuff that was happening right across the vineyard in the UK as the vineyard was starting to get established. Uh, across the UK and Ireland. And that's never changed. As a church, we have always 
being generous. We have always uh, given away freely. We've always given away money to those in need. And we've always done it as a church. We've always done it uh, willingly and generously and cheerfully. Um, you know, if you think back to the last three church plants that we sent out from here, uh, it was the generosity of this church. It was the generosity of the people of this church that sent them out with tens of thousands of pounds. Uh, if you're afraid of dogs, don't worry. There's a, there's a rogue. The, the dog catcher is in the building. Send, send him to the pound. I'm joking. I said nothing about child catcher, so you should be grateful. Um, <laughs> it was the generosity of this church. Go cast your mind back to the three church plants, the last three churches that we sent out. It's the generosity of this church that enabled those to be sent out with te literally tens of thousands of pounds to start these new kingdom church communities. It's your generosity that has supported uh, international mission, continues to support international mission in Kenya, in Myanmar, in India, in Nepal, and countless other places over the years. Uh, this church is and always has been an incredibly generous church. But while we're talking about money, let's talk about the money that this church needs, and let's talk about giving to the church here. First of all, ministry is expensive. It's really expensive. It was in Paul's day, and it is in ours. Ministry costs money. Things like the yard, which is our community center just through there, if you knock through this wall and walk for five or ten minutes onto the local estate, there's a double-fronted shop that we rent and uh, run a whole bunch of community ministries through things like Food Bank and Grow Baby and Job Club and Exploring Faith and Tea and Toast on Tuesday and all kinds of other things happen in and through there. Uh, things like Vineyard Kids. You know, at the moment, if you don't have kids, you may not realize it, but like over there, there's a big gymnasium uh, which has a whole bunch of uh, uh, two, or two to 11-year-olds uh, uh, learning about Jesus. You do that every single week. Um, and, and if you were to go out there and down over there, there's a, a, a sixth form room which has got a, a whole, uh, what's the collective noun for youth? A maraud, a murder of youth, marauding youth, a gaggle, a gang. Um, and this morning, uh, I mean, they normally have like 25 kids in there. And this morning they've got an extra like 10 because the, is it year sixes? The year sixes, who have finished term, uh, are trying out youth this morning to see if they'll like it, because um, they're supposed to join in September. Uh, so, so there's about 30-odd of them, I think, 35 of them in there uh, this morning, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, you've got events. You've got this space, uh, this amazing space that the Lord has provided. We've been here since, I think, 1991. Uh, as a church. Um, things like heating and lighting and signs and coffee and donuts, uh, all of the behind the scenes support that make it all possible. In addition, you know, giving away, this church gives away at least 10%, sometimes 20% of all of the money that comes in gets given out and given away to those in need. So I'm just saying it is expensive. 
It's an expensive business. And perhaps uh, now, as many of us are experiencing, just in our personal lives, now more than ever, doing what God has called us to costs money. That's the first thing. And then secondly, uh, just as a church, we work incredibly hard to act uh, diligently and wisely and legally and responsibly in how we handle money. And, and we'll do that through things like the way we set budgets and the way that we spend money and all of those kind of things. And, and to that end, to help us, we have an amazing board of trustees. Uh, we have Rachel Molesley. She is now the chair of trustees for Southwest London Vineyard. Uh, she is on youth uh, this morning, uh, serving her socks off. And then alongside Rachel, we have uh, Steph Bell, uh, who's been a trustee for more years than she would probably care for me to mention. Uh, Robert is here somewhere. Uh, Robert has been a trustee and an observer and everything else for many, many years. Uh, Ravi uh, Goodemore, Ruth Koch, uh, Patrick Tenhaver, Martin Wake, and then me. Uh, all are the board of trustees. And we meet regularly, uh, far more regularly than you might imagine, in actual fact. In actual fact, we're meeting tomorrow evening. Uh, and then, so alongside, you've got the trustees, and then alongside the trustees... That's a reminder to the trustees, your meeting tomorrow evening. Please put it in your diary. It's all on iBabs. Uh, alongside the trustees, we're accountable, obviously, to the Lord uh, in the first instance. But in addition to that, we're accountable to a, a whole plethora, a sleuth of uh, church and official and legal bodies, uh, including, uh, so the first one was Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland. So they're kind of like our overseeing denominational family, I don't know, whatever they're called, but they keep an eye on us and make sure that we're not going off the rails, too far off the rails. Uh, so we've got the Vineyard Churches UK, and then, you know, we've got things like the independent, fi independent financial examiners. Uh, they've just finished coming in, sort of scrutinizing our books and our accounts from 2022. And so they come in and investigate and do their thing and check everything's in order. And then there's things like the charity commissioners, and then there's Companies House, and then there's HMRC, Her, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Then there's things like the Information Commissioner's Office for things like GDPR and data protection. And then there's the Health and Safety Executive. And there's a whole bunch of these regulatory bodies, all of whom help keep us on track and make sure we're not wandering off uh, the path. And, and since this day began, uh, we've always said, we've always said that we will be entirely open, honest, and open and honest with you about money. And when we need it, we'll tell you, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, if God speaks to you and you give, great. And if God doesn't and you don't, that's also great. And at the moment, truth be told, in order for us to keep on doing all the things that we're doing, we're just seeing so many incredible things. But in order for us to keep on doing what we're doing and keep on doing all the things that we want to be doing as a church, we need to increase the level of this church's income, which means as a church, we need to give more money. Now, let me say straight away, uh, I'm not going to make an emotional appeal this morning. Uh, I'm not going to block your exit at the door with a huge bucket and a menacing looking 
house group leader while we play soothing music from the stage. Uh, you can relax, okay? Just relax. Nobody's going to coerce or bully or pressure you. Uh, as if that were possible. Uh, you're all adults. You're all adults. You're all grown-ups. You, grown you, you take responsibility for your thoughts and your actions. Um, there are no guilt trips. There is no manipulation here at all. Like, like everything else, if you've been around here, I, I hope it's like everything else around here. Um, if you want to do it, that's great. And if you don't want to do it, that's also great. Uh, all we're trying to do here, week in, week out, uh, by kind of getting up on our hind legs here. Um, and this morning is no exception. All we're trying to do is to do our best to share with you or remind you of what we think the Bible teaches. Simple as that. You know, one of the things I love about the Bible is you, you, when you read the Bible, you get this overwhelming impression that God is wanting to appeal to our reason and uh, to our minds and to our thinking processes. You know, we're not to, you know, park our brains at the door when we come in to church. That's, that's not biblical. That's not scriptural. And so very quickly, honestly, I just want to highlight three reasons as objectively and dispassionately as I possibly can that I think Paul gives us in this chapter as to why we should give. And the first thing is giving is good for us. Giving is good for us. Uh, verse, I can't see what that says, but it's one of the verses. Eight, hold on a second. Eight. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's good for you. Uh, it goes on to verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. It's good for you. In Acts chapter 20, Paul cites the words of Jesus and he says this. He says, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Bottom line, being generous with our finances is good for us. We've been made in the image of God, and as God is a generous God, so too we are called to be a generous people, generous with our time, generous with our energy, and generous with our money. And as Paul says, as I've already said in verse 11, as we give, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Secondly, giving is good for others. Have a look at verse 9. It says this, As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. This is a quote, a reference from Psalm 112. And it's basically speaking of the way in which we are called to freely give to those in need. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And one of the many ways in which we share the blessings that God has so freelishly and free, freely and abundantly lavished upon us is in being generous with all that we have, including our money. And as we do so, as it says, it goes on to say in verse 12, this service that you perform, this giving is an act of service, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And what this means is that um, in and through our generosity, not only are we supplying the needs of those around us, but it's also having an impact on the reputation of God. It's, it's welling up all these expressions, these many and different expressions of thanks to God. And then thirdly, giving, giving gives glory to God. Giving gives glory to God. Have a look at verse 13. Because of the service 
by which you have proved yourself. So we can prove ourselves in this way. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So what he's saying is it's, it's accompanies. So we, we, we confess the gospel of Christ, our proclamation, our declaration of the gospel of Christ is accompanied by this act of obedience, the giving of our money. It's as we prove faithful in and through the gift, uh, the, through the grace of giving, uh, as Paul says, through our obedience that accompanies our confession of the gospel of Christ, the people, other people, offer praise to God. It's as we give of our finances that God gets all the glory. Giving is good for us, giving is good for others, and giving gives glory to God. So, what does all of this mean for us as a church? Well, uh, it may be that you're part of this church, and you've never given financially to the ministry of the church here. Uh, or maybe you used to, uh, but, you know, times are hard, we know that, and so you've stopped giving. Uh, or it may be that you've, you've You've given faithfully, you've been giving faithfully for years, but it's been a while since you've looked at your giving, and it's been a while since you've asked the Lord if he would have you give over and above. Wherever we are with our giving to the church here, all we're asking of you is this, is we would just ask every single one of us uh, here and listening, uh, wherever, uh, that we would take some time this week, over the next week or so, uh, to prayerfully ask God how you should be giving to the church you are a part of. Uh, we've said this on many occasions. We want Southwest London Vineyard to be a church where every member contributes financially to the life of the church in whatever way they can. In all honesty, the amount we give, it really isn't as important as the heart uh, behind it. The important thing is that each one of us is giving something and each one of us is giving what God has asked us to give. He knows our hearts, he knows our circumstances, and he knows the cost of our sacrifice. And whilst, um, whilst Paul doesn't give us any guidelines as to how much we should give, you'll often hear, you know, been knocking around churches for a while, you'll often hear that people say that a, a starting point often referenced in the Bible is that 10% of our income is a good place to start. And it is a pretty good place to start. Uh, but the reality is, all that we have received has come from him. Whatever we earn, whatever we have, whether that's a lot or a little, it's all a gift from the Lord. And so all of it belongs to him. The real question that we should be asking isn't how much should I give? It, the question we should be asking is, how much can I keep? Everything that we have is his, and it's really merely just been entrusted into our care for us to steward faithfully. So let's take some time this week, over the next couple of weeks, just to ask the Lord, how much can I keep? And how much do you want me to give away? And then, very simply, let's do what he tells us. 
And if he tells you to do that, the most uh, simple way and the helpful way you can do that as far as we're concerned is by setting up a regular standing order to South Bastogne Vineyard. Uh, the bank details are on the screen. They're also on the website. If you're a UK taxpayer, uh, the government has very kindly set up this thing called gift aid, which means that it can be reclaimed from the tax that you pay if you're a UK taxpayer. And it increases your financial gift by 25%. So 20, you get an extra free, like 25p in every pound. All you need to do so that we can claim that free extra money is fill out a gift aid form, and you can find that again on the website uh, under the helping out section um, uh, and then, um, no, getting involved section and then under generosity. If all of us were giving, if every person, you know, every person who is a part of this church and, and every person who's part of the church isn't represented in this room right now, but if all of us were giving at least 10% of our income to the local church here, who knows what the Lord might do in and through us. There is so much that we could do. There are so many more lives that could be impacted. So many more people in need who could be served. So much more of the kingdom that could be extended. Southwest Island Vineyard has always been an incredibly generous church. And so uh, let's make sure we're all playing our part in ensuring that this part of our DNA, generous giving, remains a key part of who we are and all that God has called us to be. I'm going to stop and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, I believe. So if we could have the band back.